Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Episode 3 of Creme de la Crime Podcast. This week, we're headed to the state of Arizona, and according to WorldPopulationReview.com, Arizona has 915 unsolved disappearances. Please keep in mind that this is based off of actual known reported cases. It is possible the real number is higher than that. So grab your wine, and let's dive in to a little Arizona true crime. The first story for this episode is about Daniel Cornelius Robinson. Daniel Robinson was born on January 14, 1997, to parents David Robinson II and Melissa Edmonds. He is the youngest of four siblings and is originally from Columbia, South Carolina, but later moved to Phoenix, Arizona. In 2015, Daniel graduated from A.C. Flora High School in Columbia, South Carolina. He later enrolled at the College of Charleston, where he played multiple instruments, football, and joined a fraternity. In 2019, Daniel graduated from college with a major in geology. He moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where he became employed as a hydrogeologist with a company called Matrix New World Engineering. It was normal for him to travel long distances to oversee sites in remote desert areas. At the time of his disappearance, Daniel was single and lived in a city just east of Phoenix, Arizona. People described him as friendly and passionate about adventure and said he was the type of person to always see the bright side of things despite having been born without a right hand. On the morning of June 23, 2021, Daniel drove to a site near Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road around 9 a.m. for a well project in the desert of Buckeye, Arizona. That day, he was working alongside Ken Elliott, and this was the first time they had ever met or worked together. Ken said Daniel seemed fine when they started, stating they had been discussing the abnormally cold weather for the day and the job itself. He said as time went on, Daniel seemed to become really distracted. Ken made a statement saying, He was just looking off into the desert. He had a very, very distant look in his eyes. Whenever he'd turn around again, I would look at him and look into his eyes. The first thing I thought was maybe it was drugs or something, but his pupils were not dilated. From that standpoint, everything appeared to be normal. Then I thought this was a medical condition or something. I wasn't too sure. I kept watching him, but he just kept turning around and looking off into the desert. Then he just turned around and walked back over to his Jeep, and I just assumed he was going to get something out of his vehicle. He opened the door, got in, sat down, put on his seatbelt, then looked at me and just waved at me and backed up and took off. 
At that point, Daniel drove off in his blue Jeep Renegade. Ken called his co-workers and told them what had happened, and said he assumed Daniel wasn't feeling well and would call in sick. No one ever heard from Daniel again. After his family, friends, and co-workers couldn't contact him, he was reported missing to the Buckeye Police Department that same day. Ken later followed his Jeep tire tracks in the rain-soaked dirt road and found that instead of going left at a T-junction to return to Phoenix, he had turned right going deeper into the desert. The search was led by the Buckeye Police Department, using UTVs, cadaver dogs, searchers on foot, and drones flying overhead, along with the assistance in the air from Phoenix Firebird helicopters and Civil Air Patrol. Police were dispatched to check Daniel's apartment on June 24th, but they did not go inside on the first visit. It was reported that they didn't actually enter Daniel's home until July 7th, almost two weeks after he was reported missing. Civil Air Patrol was not contacted by police until July 7th. Family members traveled from the East Coast to Arizona to join in the search, which covered an area of 70 square miles. Detectives said they got a ping from Daniel's phone, but were unable to track it due to the phone being off or out of range. After looking through his call records, they learned that he had not made any calls or sent any texts after leaving the job site. Detectives, along with Daniel's family, worked to obtain phone and financial records, but didn't find any information that would help find him. His family, friends, and co-workers said that in the days prior to his disappearance, he was not like himself, but said, quote, there was no indication that he wanted to harm himself or leave the area, end quote. Several mine shafts in the area were also searched, but there was still no sign of Daniel anywhere. Finally, on July 19, 2021, almost a month after Daniel disappeared, a rancher named Brandon Shelton found his Jeep Renegade in a ravine. It was only four miles from the worksite where he was last seen, but Daniel was not at the scene. The Jeep had landed on its side with significant damage. Police said a seatbelt had been worn and the airbags were found deployed. One of Daniel's size 11.5 Red Wing work boots was stuck under the truck. Brandon, whose cattle graze 14,000 acres in the Buckeye area, is convinced the car had only been in the ravine for a short time when he came across it, saying, quote, is convinced the car had only been in the ravine for a short time when he came across it, stating, quote, it was clean and my cows would have found it. Cows are inquisitive creatures and would have licked it. End quote. The Jeep was found in an area that had already been searched, with police stating, quote, Because of the rough terrain, the vehicle was not clearly visible to crews searching by air and foot. End quote. The vehicle contained Daniel's clothes, phone, wallet, keys, and bottled water. A t shirt, jeans turned inside out, shorts, an orange work vest. Boots and two mismatched black socks were all located. One of the socks was a Nike and the other an Adidas. The ravine was searched on the ground by foot and in the air by the Department of Public Safety Ranger helicopter, but they found no trace of Daniel anywhere. There was no blood found in the car and there was no indications of foul play. On July 31st, 
A human skull was found, but further investigations proved it was not Daniel and its identity remains unknown. Other remains recovered during searches were later determined to be animal bones. The family hired a private investigator around the end of July. A former police officer named Jeff McGrath, who specialized in accident investigations. Based on GPS data, he discovered that the Jeep had been in multiple accidents after Daniel's disappearance, but before it had fallen down the ravine. Evidence from the vehicle showed that it crashed, the airbags deployed, then drove another 11 miles and was involved in another crash. The first collision was four hours after Daniel went missing, and there was also some red paint transfer from the vehicle. After that first accident, it's unknown where the Jeep was taken next. Jeff said that after the airbags were deployed, the ignition was turned on at least 46 more times during the extra 11 miles driven. Investigators believe that something triggered Daniel into going into the desert where he stripped off butt naked and wandered away from his car. Jeff said that theory made no sense, stating, quote, If you were delirious and ripped off all your clothes and wandered into the desert, you wouldn't stick one of your shoes under the car. My personal theory is that someone deliberately wrecked that vehicle out there, end quote. Jeff believes Daniel was upset about the rejection of a woman and went on an all-night video game binge. A Buckeye police report states that Daniel met a woman named Caitlin when he dropped off an order at her home while he was making deliveries for Instacart. Caitlin said her and her friend were drunk and invited Daniel inside, and they later exchanged phone numbers. Within a week, she said he arrived at her house unannounced and began sending her texts saying, quote, I couldn't stop thinking about you and I love you, end quote. She tried to politely reject him, texting, quote, Honestly, you showing up at my house unannounced made me extremely uncomfortable. I don't see us hanging out anytime soon, end quote. The next day, he turned up at her house again and texted, quote, Do you hate me, end quote. Caitlin responded, I don't hate you, but please leave me alone. He took 15 hours to respond with his last text to her. 18 hours after that text message, Daniel disappeared. Jeff then said, quote, At that point, I think somebody, and not a good person, found him. I can't imagine what they did with him, but I believe his vehicle was crashed a couple of times and then its final rest was at the bottom of that ravine. End quote. Jeff found another black Nike sock three miles away in the desert. He can't explain it, but it is another reason that he believes there is more to this case than meets the eye. Jeff and Daniel's family believe the Buckeye police did not carry out a thorough investigation into Daniel's disappearance. In a YouTube video David released recently on the Please Help Find Daniel Twitter page, David pointed out that Daniel's car and personal belongings were handed over to him shortly after Daniel's Jeep had been recovered in the desert. They also showed David the pictures they had taken at the crash site, and he noticed there were no evidence markers in the photos. When David asked why no DNA testing had been done on the car, the police told him they had no reason to conduct those tests because no blood was present in the car. Daniel's brother Roger believes that it's too late. He made a statement saying, quote, Had they been quick about it in the beginning, 
You know we wouldn't be here three months later still searching for my brother and still looking for answers. End quote. Daniel's father David is still in Arizona. At first he was staying in hotel rooms, but now he's in a small one-bedroom apartment using his retirement money to continue searching the desert for Daniel. Since Daniel's disappearance, David has thrown himself into the search for him, setting up the Please Help Find Daniel Robinson website and organizing dozens of searches since last summer. What started out as a modest operation has grown. According to David, he now commands a group between 80 and 200 people per search who use a mapping system to break down the desert where Daniel was last seen into sectors. David stated that he will not stop until Daniel is found. Daniel Robinson was last seen on June 23, 2021, when he was 24 years old by fellow co-worker and pump technician Ken Elliott while assessing a remote drill site in the Arizona desert. Soon after, Daniel drove off into the desert and has never been seen again. Daniel is an African-American male with black hair and brown eyes. At the time of his disappearance, he was 5'8 and weighed around 165 pounds. Daniel was born without his right hand, and a $10,000 reward is being offered by Daniel's family for any information that helps find him. His case is classified as missing. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Daniel Robinson, please contact the Buckeye Police Department at 623 349 6400. The second story I want to share with you guys is about Alicia Christian Navarro. Alicia Navarro was born on September 20th, 2004. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of 12 and was said to have been an avid gamer. On September 13, 2019, just a week shy of her 15th birthday, Alicia asked her mom if she could stay home from school. Alicia had recently started classes at a Catholic high school in Phoenix, Arizona. Her mom, Jessica, told her it was okay for her to stay home because she figured Alicia was just feeling nervous about school. The following day, Alicia and her mom spent the day together even visiting a chocolate factory. According to her mom, Alicia seemed really happy that day. Around 1 a.m. on September 15th, Alicia came downstairs to get a glass of water and asked Jessica what time she was going to bed. At some point in the following hours, Alicia left the home. She took a small black backpack, her silver iPhone 6, and her silver Apple MacBook computer, but she didn't take any of the chargers. She left behind her laptop for school and the desktop computer she used for gaming. That morning, her mom woke up to a handwritten note in Alicia's bedroom. The note read, I ran away. I will be back, I swear. I'm sorry, signed Alicia. Even though she had her MacBook and her cell phone in her possession when she left, there has been no digital trace of her since this night. Also a side note, I will be providing a picture of this handwritten note that Alicia left to her mom, so that's going to be posted on my Instagram at Crime Pod. 
Jessica said Alicia was a simple girl who mostly kept to herself except for a small group of friends that she had known since kindergarten. She never asked for brand clothes or anything like that, Jessica said. She remembers Alicia identifying herself on the first day of school as introverted, nerdy, and shy. And just another side note, this I feel is pretty normal because remember, Alicia does have high-functioning autism. Her mom noticed Alicia was very advanced in her sensory abilities and intelligence since she was a little girl. Alicia learned to tie her shoes and do her own laundry at a very young age and was always very smart with electronics. Around the age of 11, she said Alicia started to get really interested in gaming. It became one of her favorite hobbies and she would often spend most of her time playing games online. Jessica said that she felt this was normal for a teenager. Looking back, Jessica fears that her daughter's hobby may have led to her disappearance and that an online friend may have been planning to abduct her all along. I'm more than 90% sure that my daughter met this person online, said Jessica. I didn't even think these types of people existed that would lure our youth. I know this world can be evil, but honestly, that didn't even cross my mind. Knowing the way my daughter's personality is, I don't think she would have fallen for that. This person probably took a while to gain her trust. Jessica said Alicia was a very cautious person and it would be extremely out of character for her to fall for a stranger's scheme. I didn't know that I had people in my house without them actually physically being there, she said. Despite Jessica's belief that her daughter was abducted, police have little evidence in the case. Officer Tiffany Galula, spokesperson for the Glendale Police Department, said that investigators and law enforcement are not letting up until answers are found. Since September of 2019, I can tell you that our investigators have received and investigated at least 300 tips. A number she says is still a low estimate. She said investigators continue to receive a minimum of four to five tips per week on Alicia's case. These tips arrive on a multitude of platforms, including social media and phone calls to the department's non-emergency line and are sometimes even international. Tiffany said few cases have struck home in the hearts of detectives as much as this one. Many detectives took it upon themselves to investigate leads across state lines of their own accord. Jessica has searched for Alicia restlessly, which led to her meeting Kathleen Wynn, director of Project 25. Project 25 is a nonprofit organization dedicated to working alongside law enforcement and the legislature to protect victims of human trafficking and bring awareness towards prevention. Volunteers of the organization specialize in technology such as facial recognition to connect and present evidence to law enforcement and aid in the investigations. Kathleen said the majority of volunteers have experience using the technology and many of them have served in the CIA or the armed forces. We've helped recover seven kids this year using those techniques and we trained 150 officers last year in Tucson and Phoenix. Upon hearing about Alicia's case, she said she was immediately drawn to help and provide any resources possible. The note that she left suggested that she didn't plan on being gone very long, and the clothes that she left in her closet, some of her favorite things, also suggest to us that she herself didn't know that she wouldn't be returning.
Kathleen said Jessica has become a dear friend and she is determined to see her case through. I've made a commitment to her that we will stand by her as long as it takes and I'm privileged and humbled to be able to do that with her. She has amazing courage and she's in a situation that we want no parent to be in. That's grace under pressure. Since reading the note that her daughter left in her bedroom that morning, Jessica said that life has been like a nonstop roller coaster. She put billboards with her daughter's picture and information in California and New Mexico and is currently working on putting some in Texas and Nevada. She has shared her story on social media and has connected with other families and mothers who are also experiencing the pain of a child's disappearance. She has taken to social media, including the popular site TikTok, to raise awareness about Alicia's disappearance. Her case has also been the center of a Dateline episode, podcast, and countless news stories online. Despite the grief and constant worry she feels, Jessica said she still continues fighting and holding on to hope that her daughter will come home safely. She made a statement saying, I'm thinking about my daughter constantly, you know, and I feel guilty that I'm here instead of looking for her. But I have to, unfortunately. I have to make money. I have to work and I have bills to pay. And it's been a very long time. I have to be a mother to other children and I have to give my best to them. But inside of me, part of me is missing. Whoever took my daughter thought she was just going to be another statistic that I was just going to let it be. That's not going to happen because the love of my daughter, the love of my kids, it's unexplainable. Almost three years have passed since Alicia's disappearance and she has not been heard from or seen again. Alicia was diagnosed with autism at a young age and her mom fears the challenges she must be facing on her own. Today, there are more than 340 families in Arizona with missing children. Alicia Navarro was last seen at her home in Glendale, Arizona in the early morning hours of September 15, 2019. She was 14 years old at the time of her disappearance, around 4 foot 5, weighing around 95 pounds. She left a note for her parents saying she would return. Her family stated that she has high-functioning autism and at the time of her disappearance she had long brown hair and brown eyes. If you have any information regarding the case of Alicia Navarro, please contact the Glendale Police Department Missing Persons Hotline at 623-930-3000. That's all I have for this week's episode. But if any of my listeners have a loved one that disappeared and you would like their story shared in a future episode of this show, please reach out via email crimdelacrimepodcast7 at gmail.com. Head over to Instagram and follow me at crimdelacrimepod. And don't forget to keep your eyes and ears open out here. Until next week, this is Sam signing off. (laughs) 